Well, if you needed uh, yet another reason to get involved in a small group, that is a reason. I've experienced uh, scenes like that dozens of times over the years being in small groups. Just having that support and prayer network around you when you're going through a difficult time is, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I encourage you towards that end. Well, let me pray for us this morning. Father, you know I've been asking you this week for a very specific work in the lives of your people today, and so I'm trusting you by your spirit to do that. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, as the uh, people in the drama alluded to, this, uh, this journey on prayer began 11 weeks ago, and we're completing it today. And uh, we started back with the understanding that it was the gospel of Jesus Christ that actually opens up for us this privilege of prayer. Amen? Yes, when Jesus was hanging on that cross, paying the price for our sins, just a few hundred yards away in the temple, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, God did a miraculous thing. He tore that veil that veil that had symbolized the barrier between sinful humanity and a holy God, God reached down from heaven and ripped it apart from top to bottom, signifying that access was now open to the Father through the sacrifice of His Son. And we praise God for that. It's a privilege purchased for us by blood. And so for centuries, followers of Jesus have been enjoying that privilege, approaching God in prayer, Worshiping the Lord, offering Him praise, confessing their sins to Him, thanking Him, and they've asked God for things. Because the veil was torn and access is opened up, people of God have been asking God for things for years and years. You've asked God for things, right? I've asked God for things, and on many occasions God has heard and God has answered our prayers. Maybe some of your prayers were answered last night, late, when the Buckeyes pulled one out of the fire in the last couple minutes of the game. Wow, that was something, wasn't it? (laughs) I was uh, looking back through my journals this week at at answered prayers. I remember the time when we, my family, gathered around our five-year-old who had somehow contracted a parasite, and nothing was working to get rid of this parasite, and so we decided to gather around him and lay our hands on him and pray for him. And immediately the parasite was gone. And we thank God for that. I read about in my journal the time just last year when our church had a a financial need. We were working on a project and the funds were coming up short and I was weighted down by it. And I went home one night and we got together as a family and prayed that God would supply this need. And the next day, someone dropped off a $10,000 check at the church that covered the need. And I got excited about that. And I ran home that night and told everybody, God answered our prayers. And uh, we gave praise to God together. This week, many of you have emailed me and let me know that God answered prayers, things you've been fasting and praying for. And you're praising God for that. One person said, my chronic pain disappeared after my week of prayer and fasting. It's gone. Another person said, um, My son, who was far from God, has come back to God, and he's now in a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And this was a mom who was just overjoyed that God had reached her son and brought him back to himself. So when the Lord hears and answers our prayers, it's a cause for great rejoicing. Amen? 
But this morning, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, the proverbial elephant in the room when it comes to answered prayer. And that is this. What do you do when God doesn't answer your prayers? Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. You've been asking God for something, maybe something related to your children or your family or a job or a raise or a promotion or praying for a family member to come to God or come back to God and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. Nothing. You feel like the heavens are brass, the silence from God, and, and, and it can be confusing, can it? And in your heart, you're crying out, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Of course, a guy once said, you know, God technically answers every prayer. He either answers yes, no, not yet, or you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I suppose there's some truth to that. And it, it takes a lot of discernment to understand whether God's saying no or not yet, but keep praying. That takes discernment, doesn't it? I find that as long as I have a desire in my heart to pray for something, I just keep praying for it. And if it doesn't happen, I say, God, you're going to have to either take this desire away or I'm just going to keep hammering on heaven's door asking you for this thing because I have a desire for it. So if it's a no, please take the desire away. If it lingers, I keep praying. I think we need to be honest today. Unanswered prayer is often a mystery that defies explanation. We can't climb inside the mind of God and understand all of his purposes for saying no or not yet to something that we're praying for. He's God and we're not, and he's sovereign and we're not. And so let's just acknowledge that there's a lot of mystery behind unanswered prayer. But we also need to know that the Bible does give some explanations as for why God chooses to not respond on occasion to our prayers and we're going to look at several of those today in hopes that the Spirit of God will reveal to us, and, and I've been praying He'll reveal to you specifically if there's something in your life that's blocking God's answer to your prayers. So let's take a look at this together. And as you know, there's a study outline you can pull out and follow along with us. Some biblical reasons or causes for unanswered prayer. And the first one is this. Sometimes we're not receiving definite specific answers to prayer because we're not making definite specific requests. And so one reason for unanswered prayer is vague requests. Vague requests. Here's a general rule of prayer for the believer whose heart is aligned with God's will. If you want something from God for yourself or for others and it, it seems to be a good thing for you to have, then ask for it by name. Ask for it specifically. Go ahead and ask. Sometimes we don't see specific answers to prayer because all that we're praying are these kind of hazy, vague, general, blanket prayers. Dear God, bless Harold. Be with Mabel. Help Leroy. Lead, guide, and direct Josephine. Those, those aren't bad prayers. Those aren't evil prayers to pray. No, they're, they're fine. They're just not specific. I mean, how could you ever tell if it got answered if you're just praying these vague, general be with so-and-so prayers. Jesus taught his followers to pray in specifics. You might recall a story that he told in Luke chapter 11. We won't read all the way through it, but it's basically a, a guy who gets some unexpected house guests late at night. 
and he's out of food and he wants to feed his guests, so he goes over to his neighbor and knocks on the door. And it's late at night, and his neighbor friend's already in bed, but he cries out and says, Hey, could you lend me three loaves? I've had some, I have some guests who are visiting me. I don't have enough food. May I have three loaves of bread? And Jesus went on to say, you know, the neighbor, even though he was his friend, wouldn't get up and give him anything, but because of his shameless persistence, <laughs> he got up and fulfilled his request. And then Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. And the idea is God invites us to ask, and to ask specifically. The friend did not go to his neighbor's house and say, I'm hungry. You got anything to eat? Give me some bread. What did he say? Lend me three loaves. That's a specific request. That's a request that you could tell if it got answered or not. If you only got two loaves, it wasn't answered. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we're not making definite and specific requests. And Jesus invites us to do that. Get out of the fog and ask specifically for what you believe God's calling you to ask for. You say, okay, I'm, well, I'm doing that. I'm asking God for something specific, and I, I'm still not seeing it happen. What else could be blocking answers to prayer? Well, well, a second thing is selfish motives. Sometimes our selfish motives are blocking answers to prayer. That's what James said in James chapter 4, verse 2. He said, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Selfish motives. And James is saying two things here. He's saying some believers want things that would be good for them to have, but instead of asking God for them, they're just using their own efforts to try to obtain what they want. He said, ask God. If you need a car, ask God for a car. If you need a job, ask God for a job. Then he says this, sometimes when we do ask God for things, God refuses to grant our requests because our motives are selfish. He says, you ask and do not receive because you just want to spend what you get on your own pleasures. I heard a story about a woman who was complaining to her pastor that she'd been praying for her unsaved husband for many, many, many years to come to Christ, to become a Christian, and it hadn't happened yet. God hadn't answered her prayer. And she was starting to get frustrated and angry with God over this. And she set up an appointment to see her pastor. And he looked at her and and asked her this question. Well, let me just ask you, ma'am, why do you want your husband to become a Christian? Oh, that's easy, she said. It's because he treats me terribly. He treats me horribly. My life would be so much easier if he would just become a Christian. The pastor gently then explained to her that her self-centered motives might be hindering God from answering her prayer to save her husband. There's a pastor that I know about who tells the story of his experience in his church, new church. He was the new guy, and as he started to minister in this new environment, some of the people there didn't like him. They didn't like his style of preaching. He was a lot different than the previous pastor they had, and that previous pastor's daughter was still in the church. And after a period of time, she decided she didn't like this new guy, and she kind of stirred things up and really launched a coup against him, you know, a movement to try to get rid of the new pastor. And it got very ugly, and many people ended up leaving the church. Even some of this pastor's friends started to become critical of him, and he became very discouraged. 
very discouraged and disheartened. And one day he was praying to God and he said this. He said, my prayer was, God, really, I just want you to give me my old life back. Remember the old life that was easier and pleasant and where people actually liked me? And he said, I've sensed very clearly in my spirit that the Lord was saying to me, you don't want your old life back, you want your old idols back. And I love you too much to give them to you. And what this man realized is that approval from people and respect and being well thought of by people and being highly regarded by people had become an idol for him, something that he cherished more in his heart than he cherished the approval of Jesus Christ. He realized what he really needed from God was not his old life back, but the gift of repentance, a change of heart about what was most important to him. It occurs to me that maybe you've been praying long and hard for something. Maybe you've been praying for God to bring a husband into your life or a wife into your life. Maybe you've been praying for God to give you children or to give you better children or to give you a promotion or a new job or a raise. Or maybe you want your old life back because it was so much easier and now your life's all pressure-packed. I just want to ask you this one question this morning. Why? Why do you want that? You see, our motives matter to God. When it comes to what we're praying for and asking Him for, our motives, what's in our heart, matters to God. Maybe God might want to change your motive before He answers your request. Selfish motives. Well, you say, well, I'm asking for something specific from God. As best I know, my heart is good and it's not for selfish reasons. What else might be blocking my prayers? Well, here's a third reason. You call it doubt or doubting double-mindedness. This is very interesting. What a Bible writer says in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in what? In faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Sometimes the reason we're not receiving from God the things that we're asking him for is because of doubting double-mindedness. And I take it that the doubt that's mentioned here is doubting the goodness of God. Let him ask in faith, it says. Faith in what? Faith in the goodness of God. Faith that God is good and God is generous and God wants to give good gifts to his children. Maybe this is a good place to remind all of us that it's the work of Satan to stir up doubt in our minds about the goodness of God. That's the work of the evil one, to cast doubt, to speak those thoughts to us. That's what he did with Eve in the garden, right? God's not good. God just wants to hog all the good stuff for himself. God's given you all these restrictive rules to make you miserable and steal away your joy, Eve. He doesn't want you to be like him. He's a mean old ogre up there in heaven. That's the work of Satan. He did the same thing in the life of Jesus Christ. Remember that? When Jesus was being tempted in the desert, it's as if Satan came to him and said, A cross? The Father wants you to to go through the humiliation of being crucified before being crowned as a king? 
That's awful. That's horrible. Listen, I'll offer you a kingdom. You can bypass the cross. You don't have to go there. What was the suggestion? God's not really good. His plan is not good. That's the work of the evil one. And when we accept those kinds of thoughts about God, we are on our way, James says, to becoming double-minded, unstable, tossed about, praying uncertain prayers, and missing out on receiving from God what he wants to give us. And so I want to reinforce with all of us today the clear teaching of the Bible that God is good. He defines good. What God does is good by definition. And that's why the Bible writers tell us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's pray our prayers in strong confidence, informed by the word of God, that knowing, knowing that our Father is good and he has good in mind for his people. Amen? He has good in mind for his people. Well, here's something else that results in prayers going unanswered. You call it harmful petitions or, or asking for things that wouldn't really be good for us. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, teaching on prayer. Which one of you, he said, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Hey, Dad, I'd like a fish fillet sandwich. Well, here's a snake burger for you. Munch on that for a while. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Think about this. Sometimes our Father in heaven denies our request and says no, because he knows that the thing that we're asking for would not be good for us to have. I mean, he's God. He's in heaven. He knows all things. He knows your past, your present. He knows your future. He understands your relationships and the context in which you live. And there are times where we think that a certain thing would make us happy or make our lives better, and he's a good father, and he's saying, no, I I know you. That, That would not be good for you or for those who love you. Years ago, before Dick's Sporting Goods was Galleons, remember that, back in the day? I remember taking my son in there. For the first time. And that store is kind of overwhelming when you go in there for the first time. And there's just all this stuff everywhere. And I remember we were drawn over to the display case that was full of knives and guns. And, uh, you know, he was, son was just looking at all those. And, and finally he looked at me and said, Dad, would you buy me one of those guns? And he was like seven at the time. Now, if he asked me that today, I might consider that. But back then I thought, you know, if I get you one of those, you'll shoot your eye out. You'll more likely shoot your brother's eyes out. I am not going to get you that gun. That would not be good for you. I wouldn't be a good dad to give you that gift right now. A good dad would not give his child something that he knew would be hurtful or harmful or end up being misused due to immaturity. And a good father in heaven won't do that either. Maybe there's something you've been asking God for, but he hasn't provided it. And it could be because he knows it just wouldn't be good for you to have. It wouldn't be good for you relationally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. If that's the case, I'm praying that God will show that to you so that you'll know that. And you'll know that he's good. 
Here's something else. Number five. What else could be blocking prayers being answered? Cherished sins. Cherished sins. The psalmist wrote, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. I've got an unusual amount of family illustrations today. I'm sorry. I was reading back through my journals. I remember an incident a long time ago when one of my kids deliberately disobeyed me. I know that doesn't happen in your family, but it happens in my family. And this particular child disobeyed me. And what's more, he didn't even seem to be aware of it. Didn't make any attempt to make it right, and that bothered me a lot. And then it really bothered me when a few minutes later he came up to me and said, Dad, can I have a treat? I thought, the gall, the unmitigated audacity of asking me for a treat when you've just crossed me like that. What's the matter with you? I wonder how God feels sometimes. I wonder if he feels used by his children sometimes, like I felt. That day. You know, we're saying, God, give me this and give me that. And I want one of those. And and God's saying, well, hold it now. Time out. There's some sin. There's some cherished sin in your heart that I'd like to address first. There's stuff in your life that I want you to relinquish. And then we'll talk about these things that you want. You're sleeping with your girlfriend. Remember, let's talk about that first. But think about the fact that food has become more of a delight to you than I am. Let's address that issue first. You haven't forgiven your brother yet. You still hold that grudge against your sister. In your heart, you treasure money more than you treasure my son. Let's talk about idolatry first. Then we'll get to your requests. The psalmist wrote, if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. Not always, but sometimes unanswered prayer is meant to be a signal that a cherished sin in our hearts is blocking God from answering our prayers. If God shows you that, I would urge you to repent and believe the truth of the gospel once again. Let it go and watch God work in your prayer life in a new way. Here's something else that can hinder our prayers, unsurrendered desires. Unsurrendered desires. This means you you want things from God, but you haven't yet fully surrendered those desires to Him. Remember the prayer in the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Your will. Or here's a verse we've alluded to several times in this series. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. You might recall early on in this series, I said that, that, that prayer, true biblical prayer, is not twisting God's arm to get him to do what we want him to do. That's not true biblical prayer. True biblical prayer and petitioning is us aligning our will with God's will so that we're calling out for him to do the things that he already wants to do. Big difference. That's what biblical prayer is. I believe it was Martin Luther who said, the greatest prayer a believer can can pray is thy will be done. Thy will be done. I think for many of us, the challenge is to get our hearts, to get our hearts in such a condition that what we're saying is, I want what God wants. 
There is no will in me but God's will. More than anything else, I want His will done in my life. Some of you are seeking direction right now from God, aren't you? You've got a decision you're facing, two paths lay before you, and you're saying, God, lead me. I need your direction. Show me the way. But the question is this. Are you willing to do God's will regardless of what it is? What if it's to go? What if it's to stay? What if it's costly? What if it hurts? Are you willing to do the will of God? If God sent down a letter from heaven that landed on the desk in front of you and you knew it was from God and it contained his will, would you be willing to say, I'll do it before I even open it? Because I want what God wants regardless of what it is. Sometimes God's not answering our prayers because our will is not in alignment with his will yet. And the challenge is is to get our hearts there. Maybe that needs to be your prayer. God, align my desires with yours. I've had whole seasons of my life where that was my prayer. I wasn't asking God for anything other than line me up, God, with your heart. I want to want what you want most. And I need you to get me there. I need you to get me there. Well, check out this next one, number seven. This one's kind of convicting. Another reason for unanswered prayer is a dishonored spouse. Say, is that in the Bible? Yep. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. Wow. You say, are, are you saying that the way I treat my spouse is a factor in how God relates to me? Well, yeah, that's what Peter is saying here in, in the word of God. And so the question that comes to my mind is, does my spouse feel honored by me? That's a risky question to ask your spouse, by the way. <laughs> Honey, do you, do you feel honored by me? Not do I think I'm honoring you. But do you feel honored by me? You ought to ask that question sometime. Brace yourself first. Get prayed up, fasting and all that. (laughs) Say, honey, on a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, how honored do you feel by me? And then listen and resist the urge to defend why they should have given you a 9.75, which is my tendency. It could be a humbling humbling exercise. I know this verse talks directly to husbands, but the previous two verses talk to wives about submitting to their husbands and honoring them. The Word of God is declaring here that dishonoring your marriage partner will hinder your prayers. And I'm asking the Lord, I've been asking the Lord to reveal to those of you who are married in this moment, right now, if this is the reason your prayers aren't being answered. So, Lord, do that. God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Because you are not honoring the covenant of grace that you made with your spouse and with me. Repent, repent, and then we'll talk. (laughs) That's what the Lord might be saying to some of us. Another reason for unanswered prayer, really delayed answers, is demonic interference and 
Pastor Dave last week did a wonderful job of explaining to us the spiritual world and how prayers, answers to prayer can be granted in heaven but be delayed in getting to us by demonic interference. And so I'm not going to spend more time on that today, but just know there's a spiritual world, there's a devil, there are demons, there are angels. Sometimes we pray for things and God says yes, but en route to us, the answer gets delayed by demonic interference and our call is to just keep persisting and praying and praying and praying and praying until the answer breaks through. There's a final reason that I'm, there's more, but that I'm addressing today as to why our prayers don't get answered. And that's number nine, that God sometimes has higher purposes for us. He's saying no or not yet to our prayer requests because he has something higher and greater that he is working to accomplish. Paul experienced this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. You're familiar with this story, perhaps. He'd just been talking about the amazing revelations that God had given him. He got swept up into the third heaven and got to see things that no human being has ever seen. And then here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan, he called it, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. I read that, I think, only three times? I would have been asking hundreds of times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. God, take this away, remove this. Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, your weakness. Therefore, Paul wrote, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes God says no to our requests because he has higher purposes in mind. By not answering our prayers, God intends to accomplish greater things in us and through us, even though we might not understand it at the moment. You ever been there? I have. Two insights stand out to me about Paul's prayer request here and how God answered. I want to say this to all of us. You know this perhaps, but it it bears repeating. God is willing to sacrifice our physical comfort in order to produce spiritual gain. Let me say that again. God is willing to to sacrifice our physical comfort in order to accomplish spiritual gain. It's all through the Bible. He values that more than this. It's true. Paul apparently had some sort of physical infirmity that he believed came from the devil. He called it a messenger of Satan, something that harassed him. Yet his theology also taught him that God had allowed it. And so he petitioned God. Fervently, three times, Father, please take this away. It may have been his eyesight. Scholars debate what it was. We're not sure. God, take it away. This thing is limiting me. It's painful. What was God's answer? Paul, I'm going to leave this with you. I hear hear your request. I'm going to leave this with you. Here's why. It's going to keep you humble. 
in the midst of all these great revelations I'm giving you, this is going to keep you humble. It's a limitation. It's going to keep you tethered to me. I'm keeping you on a short leash, Paul. You're going to stay humble and dependent upon me because of this. And it's going to enable you to experience more of my power in and through your life. In your weakness of having this pain or this limitation, you're going to find my strength. And then, my, then your life's going to be about me and my power and my glory. See, when God says no, we can rest assured he's got higher, higher purposes that he intends to accomplish. You know the verse, his ways are higher than our ways. Higher than our ways. Think about it. God's choice to not remove Paul's limitation resulted in his pride being kept at bay, his weakness and limitations being exposed, which led to a greater dependence upon God's strength which led to God's power resting on his life, which led to greater impact, which led to the glory of God, which is what it's all about. This is God's way in our life. Listen, God is not averse to sacrificing our ease and comfort in order to accomplish greater, higher purposes. Think no further than Jesus Christ for this. Did you know Jesus had a prayer request? Think of him in the garden now. Same night he was going to be betrayed, agonizing in the garden. He knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. He's got a cup there, maybe an actual cup, and he's thinking about drinking the cup of God's wrath against the sin of humanity. And what did he pray? Let this cup pass from me, God. If there's another way, Father, if there's another way that your justice can be satisfied, if there's another way that their sin can be atoned for, if there's another way, let this cup. I don't want to drink the cup. And thankfully, God did not answer that prayer. Of course, Jesus' heart was, nevertheless, what? Not my will, but your will be done. I'm so glad the Father did not answer Jesus' prayer. Although it was excruciatingly painful for Jesus to drink the cup of God's wrath against sin, the spiritual gain that was accomplished by God not answering Jesus' prayer is so vast and so wide. My eternal salvation and your eternal salvation was accomplished as the result of an unanswered prayer. And sometimes we need to drop to our knees and thank God for not answering prayers. And that's counterintuitive, isn't it? God, your ways are higher. Your ways are greater. You have spiritual gain in mind that I can't even comprehend. That's what your pain and suffering might be right now. That continues and lingers despite the fact that you've asked God to take it away for weeks or months or maybe years. If God's answer to you is no or not yet, then I can tell you he's preparing you for greater dependence upon him which will result in more power manifesting itself in your life, more of his power, less of you, more of Jesus. Isn't that what you really want? More of you. I must decrease. You must increase, God. How does that happen? Sometimes it happens through unanswered prayer. And this church is full of people who minister out of brokenness and pain and hurt. And I thank God for that. God, why aren't you answering my prayers? It's a fair question. It's one I've asked. 
I have a lot of answered prayers. I shared some earlier, but I've got some unanswered prayers. I've got things I've been praying for for over 20 years that haven't happened yet. And sometimes I say, God, so what is it? Is there a threshold? Is it 700 prayers? Is it 1,000 prayers? Is there some threshold when I cross that prayer, that bucket's going to dump the blessing? You know, is that how it works? So I've been praying the Spirit of God would give us insight today as to the reasons for the unanswered prayers in my life and in your life. Vague requests, not really asking for anything specific. Selfish motives, perhaps. Doubting God's goodness or God's ability to perform. Harmful petitions, it wouldn't really be good for you. Cherished sins. Desires that haven't been surrendered to Him yet. Dishonoring your spouse. Demonic interference, is it being held up by demons and you just need to keep, 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 keep praying? Or maybe this one, God has a higher purpose that he wants to accomplish. And so would you bow your heads with me? I'm encouraged today because... Day begins kind of a new era in our church with a, a prayer partner ministry that we've been thinking and praying about for months and months. And so in just a few moments, some of your fellow church members, gifted and trained, are going to be standing at the front available to pray with you. I encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. But let me just ask you this question. Because I've been praying and I'm looking for an answer. How many of you would say, God... Gave me some insight today, yes, on why some of my prayers aren't being answered or haven't been answered. Would you lift your hands? I got some insight on that today. Okay. Amen. Many, many of you. How many of you would say, God's telling me that something in me needs to change before he's going to work and answer my prayer? Would that be true of any of you? Something in me needs to change. Yeah. Put your hands down. We're going to stand and worship in just a few moments. and I'm going to invite you to come and be prayed for by one of these folks. It could be about anything, a decision you're facing. You need God's direction, family situation, anything. That's why they're here. But I just have something in my heart today, and I, I just sense this, that there's some people in the room, the truth about you is that you're struggling with God. And have been for a while. Yeah. He hasn't come through for you the way you thought he should. You've been struggling. And it's, truth be told, it's hurting your relationship with God. Maybe you're not even asking him for things anymore. Maybe, maybe you've started to doubt whether he really even cares for you. Your life hasn't turned out maybe quite like you thought it should being a Christian. And, and maybe you're angry with God disappointed but something deep inside you doesn't want it to be that way and hopes that there could be a breakthrough and and you can come this morning and be prayed for for many reasons but if that's you today I encourage you to come just take the hand of one of these prayer partners and say I'm struggling with God and I need a breakthrough in my life if if my walk with him is ever going to be what he wants it to be so let's stand together As we worship, you come and and be prayed with. Lord, I pray that you would answer 
my prayers today and the prayers of many who have been praying for your people. That we could experience having our eyes opened and spiritual breakthroughs even today. I think there's more than one or two people in this room who need to be reassured that you are good. That you are truly good. So thank you, Lord. As we worship, come and be prayed for.